The Cappuccino Podcast brought to you in association with Tactical Solutions. For all your tactical solutions, check them out at www.tactical.co.nz. It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Okay, so my guest today on the Cappuccino is Yannickata Allen, and correct me if any of this is wrong, born in Tauranga? Yes. Yes. Uh, Otomoto College yep. uh, student, studied political science, media studies, completed journalism training at the New Zealand Broadcasting School in Christchurch. You've done your research. Oh, hang on, I haven't started yet. Uh, resort, re- reporter, presenter at Radio Live, 3 News, First Line, uh, 3 News, 6pm Bulletin and Nightline, news presenter on Paul Henry Show. The recipient, of, and I'm going to say this because there's going to be one day when your son looks at you and goes, really, mum? Uh, and I'll go, yes, it's true. You'll be able to play this podcast back. The recipient of the Best Dressed Female Supreme Award in David Hartnell's oh, 2014. Yeah, yeah. Best Dressed List. Wilhelmina Shrimpton can only dream of stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> news anchor, presenter on Prime News. Uh, once left a scented candle next to a TV at her home. And the frame started to melt on it before she spotted it. We'll just leave that there. Uh, she's covered a multitude of events from the Scott Guy trial to the New Zealand Fashion Week. Uh, right, I think the last one you did was Costco opening. And I've got to be honest, it's a little bit disappointing compared to Canada, but we won't go there. Uh, possibly her two biggest roles, uh, mum and wife. And she once said, ready for this, shock horror New Zealanders, I love the All Blacks, but I was stoked when the All Blacks lost the Rugby World Cup semi-final to England. We'll get the background on that story oh, yes, later on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I did that. say that. Yeah, I read that out to my brother. He's like, what? Wasn't she in prison for treason? I'm like, well, this, she's got a good excuse. Um, so the speed round, dedicated to speed, the world's greatest Oh, God, movie. hopefully I've had enough coffee for that. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. You'll be rocking this. Easy, right? So, first one. Prince Harry's book, Spear. Is it a year, a nah, a maybe, or I'll get it out from the library in six months' time? Yeah, it's yeah, a year. Yeah, I'm go. interested. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Chocoholic. Used to be a Snickers bar. Is it still a Snickers bar, or have you moved on? I love Snickers. It's my favourite chocolate bar. There you go. Boom, <laughs> done. Uh, what do Mr. T and Paul Henry have in common? They were both in a Snickers advert. Yeah. Uh, day off. Hubby has the bud. Apart from the obvious, it's a sleep in. Uh, what's the rest of the day look like for you? Um, coffee and beach. Boom, done. Yep. Uh, the last book you read was what? Big Little Lies. Oh, who's that boy? Um, oh, is it Marion? I can't remember. Okay. But they made it into a series, okay. Reese Witherspoon's production company. Okay, cool. It's about female friendship. Well, <laughs> I might read it because you never know. <laughs> you never know, honestly. Yeah, if I can read a book about, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff to research for this podcast, you never know. Uh, what's your proudest moment as a New Zealander? Oh, gosh, that's so mm. hard. Um, probably how we followed the rules during the COVID lockdown. Mm. Yep. Like sheep, some people would say overseas. <laughs> Not really, but that's a nice analogy. Um, one trend or fad that I didn't get into was what? Uh, for me, it's Harry Potter. I read the first book, went, wow, is that it? Saw the first movie, went, Wow, is that really it? And that was my Harry Potter experience. Yep, yep. Um, I'm going to say Crocs and Lord of the Rings. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Ouch. 
There you go. That's somebody who made the fashion list for David Hartnell as well. Anyway, uh, so COVID question. How did you survive? Because you had a little bit of a tire time, didn't you? You had your tonsils taken out during mm. that time. Um, you've got a toddler. Um, you've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I'm guessing you would have been an essential worker because of your mm. role as well as your husband as well. Um, so how did you guys survive? How did you keep your sanity? It was tough. Um, Eden was five months old when the first lockdown hit. Yep. So he was sort of learning to crawl in the first COVID lockdown. That was probably quite good for him because he spent the whole time on the floor at home with nice. his parents. Yep. Um, Ross just did a lot of juggling because I was going to work, had to get out of the house to work. He worked from home and it was awful for him because he was juggling the baby and the work. And it was just, yeah, it was just bad. Nice. Probably worse for him than for me. Yeah, oh well, well played that man. <laughs> well done, well done, yeah. Um, so let's ask the $64 million question. What made you go into journalism and what was the attraction? <clears throat> Did you like, when I spoke to Sasha McNeil, the connection there, obviously, because her dad, mm. Bob's a, a super legend. Um, yeah, but what was your sort of the attraction to journalism? It was sort of by accident. Um, I went to uni to study law and I hated it and I dropped out and I just got enough marks to scrape through into the second year but I thought, nah, if I'm barely surviving the first year I'm not going to be able to go with this. And then I was friends with Sam Hayes and she did a journalism paper at uni and she got me in for work experience at TV3 and then I thought... This is so fun. And then I went and got um, an extra journalism qualification on top of that um, with the aim to come back into news. And then I worked at Radio Live for six months and then I went to her newsroom, TV3 in Wellington. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, most people, um, the way when I've interviewed people, they do radio first for sort of three to five years and then they're like, have you ever thought about presenting? And then next thing you know, but you sort of six months and. So, yeah, good run. Um, Mm. What's been the best piece of advice anybody's given you as a journalist? Make it Mm people-focused. We have to start with the facts, but then we move pretty fast to the effect on people and think about them and put them foremost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, your name, I know from researching this interview here, has always been a source of mispronunciation, <laughs> uh, myth, um, with somebody even once calling you Fiona, is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had, um, somebody tweeted me once and they said, is your name Yannika Turellen, or is you, your name Yanni Cutterellen, or is your name Yannika Yep. Allen? but yeah, it's Yannika Turellen, or um, Janika, Jankie, Janika... All of all of it. Perfect. Fiona. Right. Yeah, so there you go. So you've asked you've answered one of my questions, Fiona. It doesn't even sound the same. Like, yeah, it's just like I might get Jenny, but yeah, anyway. Um so what's the origins of your name? Because I know that there are lots of people who go, Yannicka to Ellen, she's gotta be like South African. Yeah, yeah, it's a Dutch name. Yep. Um but I'm only one quarter Dutch. There you go. My grandfather was Dutch. <clears throat> That's where the surname comes from, Turellen. And then my parents just liked the Dutch name and, and gave it to me. Boom, good thing you weren't named Johan Cruyff. But Cruyff, I was born, I um, yeah. I'm Kiwi. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to ask you this because I've got a few friends that are Dutch. Uh, Poffer Joms, do you rate them or not? Don't tell me you've never heard them. Oh, I only know Stroopoff. Stroopoff. Oh, yeah, 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 I don't know yeah. this puffer job. Oh, no, yeah, you have to try them. What yeah. is it? It's like a coronary heart attack in every <laughs> mouthful. Oh, my God. It's like a buttered fill waffle if I've got it right. But, my God, they're to die for. But oh. you had one mouthful and it's like, 
Oh, I can feel my arteries hardening up. Oh, that sounds good. I'm going to get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've been on TV, New Zealand's TV screens for a wee while now. What's been your, been your most wow, I can't believe you've said that about me moment? Um, and how did you cope with it? Like when I spoke to Renee Wright, she was getting people writing and going, gee whiz, you've let yourself go a little bit. And she was like, um, actually, I'm pregnant. And they've changed the angle that the way the weather is presented. Um, so... Uh, that's why I'm looking maybe a, a couple of kgs heavier, but thanks, I actually haven't gained any weight. What's been the, your worst sort of, I'm not going to say sledge because that's a sporting term, but mm. you know, you guys are constantly sort of a focus for sort of the, um, how do I put it nicely there? Oh, you shouldn't wear that colour jacket with um, that shade eyeliner because it doesn't match mm. type brigade. Yeah, I think there's a lot of focus on women's looks um, in news media. Too much. I haven't been the subject of any fat shaming type stuff um thank god because i'm pretty like i'm a size 12 to 14 and i would have thought i probably could have been a target but i've i don't think i've ever seen anything like that thank god i haven't had to deal with that but there are constant um comments about fashion and you know that color's not your best or that jacket doesn't really suit you, or I like the one you, that you wore yesterday better, or yeah, yeah. Oh, I prefer your hair straight, not curly, that yeah, sort of thing. So that's not too hard to deal with. Yeah. But um, yeah, hopefully I never get get the fat shaming thing. That's yeah, awful. Yeah, no, and some of, yeah, I've seen some of the comments. They're just hideous. It's like honestly, just do what your mum said to you, and if you can't say it to somebody's face, just don't say it at all. Honestly, it's not that hard. Or just mm. be nice. Mm. Uh, so the news like policing can be a bit grim, right? So here's two questions for you. And before I do this, I've said this to all of uh, the reporters and media people I've had in the car and that are friends. Um, thank you for what you did during COVID, because I know that that was tough. Um, we It was tough enough for us up on the roadblocks, but you guys were sort of the smiley, happy, um, smiley faces during that lockdown. You were, sometimes you were delivering some awful news about, oh, actually, sorry, New Zealand, the lockdown's going to go on for another two, three weeks, and you maintained um, a sort of fairly good standard. So why is the news so grim? Because let's be honest, everybody in New Zealand loves the sort of so-called story about the grand in Otrahonga who's knitted like 90,000 pairs of booties for babies. Mm. So why why do you think we don't have more of those stories? Is it just the fact that... And I get that we've got to report, you know, the Ukraine-Russian thing, and we've got to report um, what's coming from the beehive and that. But why don't we have more good news stories in the news? I think we should. I think we're always looking for... I'm always looking for light and shade and balance. I think it's just that the impact of the bad news is so great on people's lives. And so we think, this is essential. People have got to know this because it's like, you know, it's going to have some serious impacts. And the light stuff is also important media function, um, entertainment and reflecting New Zealanders' lives. It's I think it's just the impact question, which yep. is why I think it skews so yeah. much that way. But I'm always sort of talking to producers about including more light because yep. there is so much shade. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I'm trying to push that all yep. the time. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so how do you cope on a crap news day? Because let's be honest, there's some days we all look at it, probably yourself included, and go, man, if this planet makes it to Friday, we're going to be really, really lucky. So I know you're presenting it, you uh, um, talking off the auto queue, you would have, you've got your notes here and everything else, but after you've finished, there's some days you go home and just go, man, I've got to have a coffee, or man, I've got to do this, and just sort of up, up your spirits a bit. <clears throat> yeah, and it sort of disguises itself for me. I, th- I think that I don't get 
outright sad. Yeah. Unless it's a story about a small child, and that's a whole other thing. I just can't take yeah, that, yeah. Take yeah. that anymore. Yeah. Um, violence against children is just. Uh, it's just. I find myself getting emotional even in the news space. Yeah. Um, but in general, I I get a bit angry after the news sometimes if it's been a really really bad day, and I kind of have to take myself for a walk. And I think it's sadness disguised as anger. Yep. And yeah. I feel that way for a couple of hours. And then I have to, yeah, have a cup of tea, have a walk, and, and really, like, do something physical to try to move on from that. Yeah, which makes complete sense. Mm. Now, if I asked you what was your favourite story during your entire career that you've covered, what would it be and why? Oh, my gosh, that's a difficult one. Yeah, I know, because you've done lots of stories. I was looking at them <laughs> yesterday going, oh, if she can pick one from this lot, I'm... Well, let's say you top sort of two or three then that that to be fair um i think i liked covering the chief's stripper scandal um that was such a big story and we exclusively spoke to the second woman who'd been affected by Mm -hmm. that and it was just it was just a really important story with a lot of public interest and the fallout from it was really interesting um, New Zealand Rugby did this big review, which ended up changing a lot of things for the better. Um, and, yeah, it was just the public interest, the impact of that story. Um, it kind of went along with the cultural movement of the time, which was sort of this rise in feminism. And it yep. was just an interesting time. Yep. Yeah, it was interesting. It was... It was full on, but it was motivating. Yeah, because I was actually looking at some of that, and I was like, "Man, you must have been under some pressure." Oh, uh, yeah, with you have that to story. Have yeah. fights with fights with New Zealand rugby, yeah, and yep, they yep. don't want you to say things, and you you know it's true, and you're going to say things, and there's lawyers, and it's all a bit full on, but it was important and yeah. it was motivating. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, can you still remember your first day in the newsroom, and what was your sort of first fangirl moment? Like, uh, Willamina tells this great story of. Walking past sort of Paul Henry, I think, and going, oh, my God, that's Paul Henry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was your sort of first fangirl moment when you started, and um, what was it like when you first started at three? Then? Well, my first day in the newsroom was horrific, <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing here? Because I wrote this VO. We call VOs these little 30-second things where yep. you don't hear the reporter voice. The presenter just reads a little bit, about 30 seconds long, about something. And so we, the journalists, write those. And I wrote this for you. I can't even remember what it was about. And my boss said, this is effing awful. Go and do it again. Get out of my office. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know why it's wrong. I don't know. And I I went and sat at my desk for three days wondering how to write what I was doing there, just questioning everything. And then I submitted my story like three days later when I had some more confidence. And he said, oh, this this is pretty good. So then... Yeah, I felt more encouraged after that, but the first three days I was, yeah, it was scary. Um, John Campbell came down not long after that to interview, I think, Kim.com, mm-hmm. and that was my fangirl moment. There you go. I thought, oh my gosh, he's the best journalist in the country. He is, apart he- from the fact he supports the Hurricanes, but we'll to that. <laughs> and still the only man to attempt to sledge me in front of an entire school assembly about the Hurricanes, so that's all good. He's a passionate man, oh, yeah, I'll yes, give him yep. that. Yeah, yeah. And yep. he it just exuded this aura of confidence and authority and I thought oh gosh he's amazing you know yeah Yeah. now let's uh your husband and this is the question from my workmate 
Mr. Cal will refer to him as, uh, sports producer, sports journalist, podcaster. He's worked for a number of places as uh, a sports reporter, a producer, a rugby reporter. How do you guys, and this is the question my workmate wants to know, how do you guys get past all the sports viewing he has to do for his job? Like, is he hard to watch sports with, and does he play the card of, oh, Yannicka, it's for my job, it's research? Because <laughs> my workmates are like, Either this woman is a saint, or this guy's got some sort of secret code or something going on so that he can get sports viewing past his wife. Oh, I know. It's I struggle to be interested in in sport. I try to be mm-hmm. interested, but mm-hmm. I'm just sort of not. So we've sort of worked out this system where some games have to be viewed live, and right. I just tune in for the tries and I look up from my phone when um, there's noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then some things he records and watches when I'm doing something with my friend or with Eden or... Right. Yeah, we've, we've sort of split it that way so there it doesn't go. completely take over our, nice. our life. Is he painful to watch sports with? He's pretty passionate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he yells. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. <laughs> I once, well, I'll give you a tip here. I once got this great tip from Mr. Mark Graham, uh, New Zealand rugby league legend, Auckland Warriors coach, blah, blah, blah. He said, what I do is, he said, I used to smoke, he said, but that's not very PC these days. So he said, I take a handful of chewing gum, I put the entire packet in my mouth. He said, it gobs my mouth entirely shut for the entire game. I can't say anything. So there you go. I'll have to tell just him that one. Just try it. It could be, reduce a lot of heartache. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good for your jaw as well. Uh, so for a wee while there, you worked and presented with Paul Henry on the Paul Henry show. I love Paul Henry. Um, mm. Yeah, just outrageous would probably be the best way I can describe him. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? And was with their, and you can see sometimes in his co-presenters, they just get this gleam in their eye and that's like the, uh-oh, Paul, where are you going with this moment? <laughs> so what was your biggest uh-oh, Paul moment? I was rolling around on the floor last night watching a YouTube clip of you and Paul talking about a poo rolling down a plane <laughs> when the toilet was overflowing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you could see that he was fully going there, and you were like, please don't go any further with this. I'm going to lose it. So yeah. what's kind of been your best and worst Paul Henry moment, I guess you'd say? Well, his recipe for TV was to not tell me what he was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of scary mm. because I was 27 when I got that job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything, you know? Yep. And I was like, what is he going to hit me with today? Yep. Um, and oh, the worst one, I'll start with the worst one, was probably when he'd been laughing all the whole news bulletin. But you can't see that because yep. I'm just doing the thing. Um, and I was just getting closer and closer to laughing, you know, throughout the whole bulletin and then I finally cracked and I laughed and it was a serious story Uh and we got a flood of we got so many complaints and my boss said the next day oh you know oh look I'm not I'm not gonna tell you off I I know I know it wasn't your fault (laughs) I just called you in here to acknowledge the situation and um yeah have a good day see you next (laughs) week because there was nothing anybody could do um there's nothing I could do he knew that there was no way to, to control yourself um, the, there was a lot of best moments. Um, I just love chatting with him. We never agreed about anything. Which is great. But we always had that fun and respect yeah, yeah. underpinning everything. And he was just so much fun. I never knew when he was joking. Sometimes I didn't know when he was joking. He'd say things like, um, I'd say, oh, all the, all the fish are going to go extinct. We, you, you know, your daughters aren't going to be able to eat orange roughy. Don't you care about that? 
And he'd be like, no, they can eat something else. <laughs> and I thought, is he joking? Right. You know? And then he'd just like stare at me for ages and then he'd just piss himself laughing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he just used to wind me up and love it. And um, we still have a good relationship. I still see him probably once or twice a year. We have nice. a coffee and catch up and chew the fat and... Yeah, it was, a, it was fun. It was fun, and I learned a lot from him. Now, just on the off chance he's listening, I'm going to ask this question. Because <laughs> while I was researching this, I was watching you and him talk about Chris Pine, the actor from Star Trek and Wonder Woman and a couple of other movies. He got caught uh, drink driving when he was in New Zealand, and he actually turned up oh, at the Ashburton right. court. Now, you and your wisdom made a bet with Paul Henry for 25 bucks that he would actually turn up at the court uh, and if I remember correctly Mr Henry went oh yeah okay cool no worries well done Yannicka you've done well there but he put the $25 in a ledger and you you look quite sort of I'm going to say almost feral about the fact that you weren't getting the 25 bucks and did you ever get the $25? Oh, I can't remember I bloody have to have yeah, yeah, yeah. he always pays for the coffee oh, so no, I reckon right. I might have yeah. reaped it back over time that's all right. yeah I was just like I wonder if yeah yeah so yeah anyway yeah so you took some interesting comments on social media from viewers uh, and in the media as well for being a centrepiece uh, about a conversation about TV sexism. You were called there for a wee while. You got called the blonde bombshell, um, the sidekick on the Paul Henry show kick, and brilliantly said, "This is one of the best quotes I've ever heard for this type of stuff." I don't think glamorous and feminist are actually mutually exclusive. Isn't choice the new feminism? Does it peeve you when people stereotype or pigeonhole you, or just make a sweeping generalisation based on your appearance? Um, and how do you think, as a society, we get that to stop? I've got a friend of mine who's mm. way, way up in a corporate firm, and she says, the only way we're actually going to smash this is when we go something like, here's Kamala Harris, she's the American vice president. We don't actually go, the first American female vice president. We just go, she's the American vice president, mm. and just move on. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, glamour and um, and smarts are not mutually exclusive. I, th- yeah. I really enjoy fashion and I'm also I also consider myself smart so I think they can go hand in hand and yeah I think that's the aim is to eventually move to a place where um, the woman thing yeah. is not the headline yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just um, part of life and yeah. assumed and you can be both and you can be a woman doing that and it's not drawn attention to yeah um, it's changing we're getting there. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. changing over time. Yeah. We're much closer now, I think, than we were in 2014 when I worked on the Paul Henry show. And I don't think that if I was in the same position now, that would happen to the same extent. No. Yep. The culture was seriously different, even yeah. even that short time ago. Mm. It might happen a little bit, but I don't think to the same extent. And I just hope that it keeps moving in that direction. I think a lot of people are more aware of the issue now, mm. making an effort not to do those things. Yeah, and I think some of the dinosaurs that live in Jurassic Park have sort of moved on from the stage of, oh, we're going to present Yannicka an award, and while I'm up here making a quick speech about it, I'm also going to talk about how wonderful she looks tonight, and didn't she sort of kind of um, make a real big effort to look very attractive tonight for the awards, and I'm like, actually, you're giving her an award for something, her looks have got nothing to do with it, um, and like I always say to guys, don't ever be afraid to pay somebody a compliment, but mm. just don't be... Don't think that that's all that and then you've moved. You know, you actually need to pay the compliment and then appreciate the person for the, who they are as well. Because, yeah, it just, I've, yeah, you and I, 
you and I both know, but probably we've both been to events or seen things, and it's almost cringeworthy, mm. some of the comments people make. But like you say, I think it is getting better. Um, but yeah, I think it's okay to compliment somebody's fashion or look or whatever. Um, that's that's fine. Um, it would be nice if the compliments were spread around different traits. Yep. <laughs> you know, so you wouldn't say to a little girl, um, "Oh, your dress is so." beautiful you look so pretty you know it would be great if it was like oh that's a really creative dress I like the way you've dressed yourself today and um oh gosh um that was a very smart thing you said you know have it a bit more balanced um rather than just honing in on those looks and having having girls grow up thinking that's how I get validation that's what people want that's what people like to see from me um and knowing that it's good to develop other parts of your personality mm-hmm. and your brain and yep. your ambition. So that said then, in week four of November, because as you can see, I've got this hideous <laughs> thing growing on my face. I'll put a picture up on Instagram. Be Don't be shocked and surprised when Yannicka replies and says, that is not only the best looking ginger moustache I've ever seen, it's also the smartest one. All right? It's very good. That's right. It's shocking. It's a lemmy from Motorhead, to be it, fair. It's sort of disguised because the lightness of the hair. Well, to be fair, <laughs> the grey bit on my chin there, I keep thinking I've actually spilt something because it's the first time I've ever had grey hair on my face. But hey, look, it's all good. Uh, enough about me. Uh, okay, so what's been your biggest gaffe on air and what was your recovery like? Because oh, I've heard, like, I've had people have swallowed flies. Um, I've had people who have worn clothes backwards. Um, all that type of stuff. Um, what's what, what's sort of in recent memory? What's been your biggest gaffe on air? I mean, your coworker, Mister Young, got caught giving. Uh, I know. A work I mate. know. Yeah. It's yep. like the probably the most dramatic one was laughing in that serious story back in the day, and and it was it was a. About this is awful to say. It was about Ebola. It was about the Ebola right. epidemic. It was bad. Um, recently, it's just you know a slip of the tongue. Yep. It's it wasn't it wasn't funny. Yeah. You know, like Eric's one. Yep. yep. It was just a the, the, yeah, a, double, yeah. a double take scenario. Yeah. Or the dreaded the feed hasn't come through, so I'm just going to oh, sit here looking like a zombie going. Well, there's so many things technically behind the scenes that happen, and you're like. A duck on the water with your legs <laughs> yeah. flapping, and and you're just trying to cover it all and smooth out all this stuff. Um, and so occasionally you can get caught out with that kind of thing, and it's just a double take, or you panic, and then your your brain doesn't quite make your mouth do the right thing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no amount of training that can get you through that. Right now, if you could be granted an interview with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose? And what do you think your first question would be? Oh, God. There you go. Um, I, this is just really difficult. Yeah. Um, it always surprises me some people's answers with this. I asked Valerie Adams once who her biggest fangirl moment was. Now, you think. It would be an athlete. It's Oprah Winfrey. Oh. Mm. Wow, well, yeah, she's so, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it always surprises me. People sort of like, here's the person I'd want to interview. So who would you want to interview and why? Oh, maybe just at the moment, Prince Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, look, have you recovered with your view of your family? How do you view them now? What did it feel like growing up as the spare? Mm-hmm. I'm quite interested in all that at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think it would change every week because I'm always... <laughs> interested in the thing that's happening at the moment. Yep, yep there's nothing wrong with um, that. Yep. I love Jamie Oliver. Yep. I'd probably ask him what his favourite all-time recipe was or something like that. There you go. That's easy. <laughs> 
Hey, look, and everybody will go, oh, yeah, okay, cool, no worries. And, of course, you know what the second question is going to be. Can you show me how to make it? Yeah. Um, what do you think about conspiracy theories? I ask all my friends in the media oh, this, yeah. right? And oh, so we're talking JFK, the moon landings. Let's talk the old ones because otherwise we'll just open a can of worms yep. up for everybody. Yep. So let's talk the ones pre-1970 sort of 1970, so we're all safe. Yeah. Um, is there any you go, hmm, at? Mm, yes, because we're always questioning everything. But then once you look at verified sources and cross-reference <laughs> those, you realise there's nothing to it. Um, but we've always got an open mind. Yeah. Surely, yeah, look into stuff. But... So what's the one that makes you scratch your head the most? Um, oh... I've just put them out of my mind because they're all they're yeah, all yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I can't even remember. Oh, you know, I can't even well, remember. I mean, I know that some people go on about the moon landing and how that was fake because you can see the shadow and it's not the right and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. For me, it's the JFK shooting. I, I know I've actually been to Dulles Plaza. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I'm not going to say I'm obsessed with it, but I just like looking at it as a police officer and going... Mm, there's something else here. I don't know what it is. Mm. And as lots of people have said to me, look, honestly, if it happened in America, do you honestly think that nobody would have told anybody else? Mm. Um, yeah, okay, I think. But yeah, it's yeah. I just find it staggering that one man alone could do that to the president of the United mm. States. But hey, look, I kind of came into those ones having had the conspiracy theories debunked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I read the debunking first. But in terms of like the developing ones, were all about COVID. Yeah, of you course. Know? Yeah, and then you go back and look into it and yeah. and dig around and realize. No, it was nothing. Yep. Yeah, but you've got to you've got to take everything. You've got to look at everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like being a police officer. But, I mean, if you don't look at every single avenue of investigation, you're not doing your job properly. Look, yeah. 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 But then you pretty quickly find out that the sources of that were bogus. Yeah. And, and like, it's linked to some right wing conspiracy theory think tank with no scientific backing, mm-hmm. but with a few letters to make it sound like it's a science. Mm-hmm thing but they're just made up letters and yep. like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it never works out no, no. it's like I always say to people when people say to me what do you think about this and I'm like look honestly if you think it's a government conspiracy and I mean this in the most loving way and this is only my view it's not reflective of the police but uh, if you think it's some type of government conspiracy, mm. clearly you've never worked for the government because there's some days I order a pair of pants and they can't get that right. So it's like, <laughs> seriously, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, anyway, uh, what do you think the biggest news story of 2022 is going to be, uh, I have we had it yet, or, and I suppose the second part to that question is, what do you think the biggest story of 2023 will be, and why in both cases? And then I'll give you mine, and we'll see if we agree. I think 2022 started out with COVID, but now it's probably the cost of living crisis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is probably going to carry over to the biggest story of next year, which will be the election and um, how the cost of living crisis and other issues will affect right. the election. Okay. For me, 2022, it's the Queen. Oh, and, yep. And I think for 2023, it's, is Donald Trump going to run again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Those are also... I should have said those. No, no, those no. Those are also no, massive no. ones. Yeah. 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 I, like, honestly, I, I, like, I, I watch you on local news, um, but I watch the Canadian and the American news, and it's fascinating to see sometimes some of the stories that we don't get as well as some of the stories that we do get and sort of, Mm. yeah, it's quite interesting. If I made you the world's news producer for the entire media world, what's the one story, event or cause that you would give more coverage to and why? No pressure. 
I think what's happening in Iran at the moment. Yep. Um, it's got a little bit of um, media coverage here, but I mean that's pretty major that that they might overthrow mm-hmm. the whole government because they're so um, disillusioned with the way that things are happening there and the lack of rights for women and girls and the regression that's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult with those international stories. We've got a lot of rights deals with. Mm. Western yep. news producers, so um, ITV and CBS and um, BBC, and because we can't afford to buy the rights for everything, yep. we end up with this Western skewed view. Yeah, um, and and I agree, having a few holes when it comes to international mm. news. Mm. But then again, likewise, <laughs> I mean, if you talk to some people in America and say to them, "Oh, have you heard about the guy who's just..." sort of, you know, run around Australia. Uh, no, no idea. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's 50-50. We just way. can't cram everything no, in. No, you can't. And either. There's also the, just the space and time constraint. Yep, exactly. Mm. Uh, so, investigative journalism has seen a bit of a decline in recent years, but seems to be making a bit of a comeback, thanks mm. to uh, mate, Mr Gower, uh, mm. amongst others. Is it the fact that it just costs so much, it takes so much time, uh, why do you think we sort of dropped the ball there for a wee while? Because, I mean, you spoke before about doing your um, chief's investigation, mm-hmm. um, and I know that that took you a lot of time, and you did an awful lot of stories and everything else. Is it just the time? Is it the pressure? Is it the cost? Or is it sort of E, F, and G, all of the above? It's the cost and the time, exactly. Yeah. Um, mainly the time, but, of course, they're at their length. Yeah. Um, Newsrooms are under so much pressure to pump out content and service different bulletins and the advertising model is getting more difficult to sustain mm-hmm. and the media is becoming more fragmented and people are going online and there's not as much money in the traditional advertising mm-hmm. that we used to get yep. and that's what's led to it. And it's great that we've announced this new show and... Everyone's really excited about it. Patty's new show, yep. Patrick Gower, ha- Patty Gower has issues. Yep. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of hope that we can so many keep it going there. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's so important. Yep. And everyone at work is so passionate about having that space filled. But yeah, it's it's the advertising model and the yep. cost and the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, if I was to say Yannicka's favourite reporter worldwide is who? Mm. Who's the one that you look up to and go, man, I love, if I was... I love John Campbell. There you go. Yep. And Kiwi. Yep. <laughs> uh, Favourite presenter. So we've done the reporter. Mm. Favourite presenter. Um, I love Sam Hayes. There you go. I'm look. friends with her, so yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit biased. Yeah, yeah, a little but, bit. Um, yep, yep. She's smooth, cool, okay. calm, collected. Now, apart from, obviously, your media sources that you do, um, like I know lots of people who are in the media industry and they go... When I wake up, I always read the Huffington Post or I always uh, read the New York Times or anything else. Is there anything like that that you follow that sort of your, I'm not going to say your go-to, but your sort of like media guilty pleasure? I read everything. The Guardian, Daily Mail, um, a New Zealand spin-off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just try to look at all the main sites. There you go. Yeah, I like them all. Nothing wrong with that. Now, with Gen Z and Zoomers having more of a shorter attention span but being more marketable as a generation and being a bit more social media savvy, as the 51-year-old Nicole says, uh, how do we stop the news becoming trivial? Like, a volcano explodes in Argentina, but now sports. Uh, yesterday, perfect example, we have the missile being flown 
over Japan by Korea, and everybody sort of goes, oh yeah, okay, cool, they've done that before, just moves on. Um, this generation doesn't seem to be quite as interested, and I read a book years ago by um, Arthur C. Clarke, who amongst other sort of claims to fame, dare I say it, um, uh, was uh, one of the founders of this modern day satellite, and he said what's going to happen in communications is when satellite communication starts, we're actually going to lose censorship and people are going to actually become immune to things. So how do we make, I'm not going to say make them care about the news, but how do we actually make them see, oh my God, this has gone and this has affected people? It's a real challenge. Um, I hear a lot of um, the Gen Z saying, you know, Pixar didn't happen, you know, um, if it's not on TikTok, it's not real. You know? Yeah, like, it's like, it's just, really? Mm, yeah. It's, it's a challenge, and I think we need to move news where the people are, and that is probably Instagram and TikTok now. Yeah. Um, and so we need to make shorter news, bite-sized things, yeah. <laughs> little videos yeah. with the writing on it to make them understand it, and hopefully you know, get interested enough in that issue from seeing that short video that they'll want to go and find out more mm. and why it matters. But I think we've just got to start with where they are, the mediums that they're on, make it happen there, and hopefully drag them into mm. um, exploring it a little bit deeper. Yeah, because when I think about some of the incidences that happened in my childhood, and you probably won't be able to remember any of them, so fair play <laughs> to you, uh, Tiananmen Square, oh, yes. uh, the space shuttle um, blowing up, and straight away I'm thinking people would just be straight onto Twitter and saying, oh, you know, that happened because of this. And, I mean, we all know there's conspiracy theories and um, people who are interested in causing chaos, I guess. But I just kind of think that sometimes people would actually go, oh, well, not to worry, or and that would be it. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely more difficult now to, to cut through and to make people realise why it's important and to make people believe it because there's so much disinformation around now because of social media. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. And, we're, and all, everyone in our newsroom just keeps fighting that every day mm. and trying to cut through it. But I do think we need to move more onto the, the social media platforms where the younger people are. I think that's we've got to massively move in that direction. You're going to need an awful lot of jackets to do lots of 30 second TikTok <laughs> videos. I'm just saying. Uh, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. There'll be somebody standing behind you permanently with a set of coolers as you go on to the next one. All uh, right, okay. So with the arrival of uh, social media, media set to change an awful lot, like we've just spoken about, in a very, very short time. Um, and given the need to break the story or be first with the story, do you think, and there's a couple of questions here, one, there is a real risk to reporters and media outlets on the fact-checking versus the pressure to release the story. So mm. a great example of that is the US presidential elections. That you know They do this thing of, oh, and we're going to predict that, X, Y, Z. And there's been a couple of elections where they've predicted it, and then people have said, oh, this media outlet's done it. We're all going to have to do it. And then when the votes have been counted afterwards, there's some people standing there who I would have said are fairly sort of straight and narrow, gone, hmm, perhaps we got that drastically wrong. Is there a real mm. pressure on on you as a reporter, a journalist, and then two on the media outlets, do you think, to get the story out um, and maybe not fact-check it as much as we would have done in days before social media? 
There is massively pressure because of the internet. Everything can go up immediately. And we're also competing with, yeah. you know, unverified claims on Twitter. Yeah. And so people are starting to believe it. And we're rushing to fact check that and, yeah. and put it out ourselves as a legitimate story. So, yeah, major pressure. Um, we have a process where we cannot run something until we've independently verified it. So if somebody else breaks a story and we want to follow up on that because it's a good story, yeah. we will have to get all our own sources and verify it before we publish it because that's that's what you do. In the case of um, predicting election results and forecasting, so they will be using a model mm-hmm. by which you know X number of yep. votes has been counted now and we're projecting once all the votes are counted, it'll be this result. Um, those are all pretty movable beasts and a little bit unscientific, so I think it's okay to predict, but you need to put in that massive caveat, you know, We've on, this is using this one model yep. and we've only counted 21% of the votes. Um, so if we extrapolate that now, um, this would be the result. However, there are also the special votes. They tend to skew left, da-da-da-da-da. Yep. Lots and lots of caveats yep. um, <laughs> because you don't want people to believe it before it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your, like for me, that would be my idea of journalistic hell. And I have no idea how Newsman Campbell does it, but presenting basically for four and a half, five hours on an election result. I mean, when it starts off and, you know, it's sort of like um, tie happy with 4% of the vote come in and it looks like maybe it might swing. And it really is, it's worse than a telethon if you're emceeing it. It's, would that be your idea of, oh my goodness, this is going to be rough? You'd have to have a lot of base political knowledge because you'd have to do a lot of padding you'd have to be giving history on this candidate history on that candidate you just have to know it inside out and be able to roll with it you know that would be pretty specialized i mean john campbell would do do a great job of it political reporters who live and breathe it every day Mm. and have all that knowledge at their fingertips it would be pretty difficult for a general reporter yeah yeah i think it would be almost impossible and you saw it recently with the queen you know these um these hosts that deal in general news in australia talking about who who's live what did they say um they said oh that's a minor royal and it was liz trust yeah Um, Mm, yeah and i think that's the kind of sticky things you can run into being a generalist yeah you know Mm. are you thankful that you aren't starting off in your journalistic career at the moment because there must be some huge repressures Mm. on those, I'm going to say, cub reporters to break a story or get a big story or something else. You can see um, how the pressure, and I mean, you're a credible journalist, so you don't do it, and I'm guessing, uh, well, I know that none of your co-workers would do it either, but, you know, if you were working in for a small newspaper in a very small local town or something, and you heard of a big story and sort of went, oh, cool, I'm going to break it, you must be under immense pressure to break a story as well as make a bit of a name for yourself as a reporter there's a real risk isn't there that somewhere along the line I mean just like anything else I guess somebody's going to break a big story and it's not actually going to be 70% correct Mm. Um, I've never worked in newspapers but you would hope they would have a strong editor that would help them check it and really put it through a rigorous process before it went out Um, in our newsroom the, the young reporters tend to start in more of a, a churn scenario where yep. they're writing a lot for the AM show, they're writing a lot for the 11.30 show, um, the 4.30 show. Then when you move a step up, it's like you're filing for 4.30, you're filing for Prime at 5.30 and you're filing for 6 o'clock. So it's like you've got to be fast yep. 
and you've got to know how to get things out and yeah maintain your accuracy and um, and know when to ask the question are we in dicey territory here should we hold off can you please help me check this there are a lot of those conversations that go on throughout the day mm-hmm. so that we can hopefully be both and yep. be credible and be fast there is a lot of pressure so when you are presenting prime news at 5 30 let's just give people some idea mm. when does your day start uh for you in the office and by the time you hit here i mean and we've spoken about it with other people we've had like because i know that <clears throat> and i mean this with the most utmost respect mm. uh hair and makeup just doesn't take 10 minutes um, mm. For you to do no, uh, so on now, TV, so yeah. now for hair and makeup, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your hair would take a lot longer than mine, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but you know, just that thing of you know, by the time you you've got there, what's your prep look like during the day? Have you done sort of maybe sort of three six hours of sort of prep beforehand before you hit the air or not? Um, it's different for different shows. Yep. I do about half the weekends on Prime now, and then I fill in on other shows like um, our new one, News Hub Live at eight, which has got little interview in it which so, I have to be honest confused the hell out of me the first time I watched it because I'm like it's Yannicka to Ellen uh hang on this is, must be a primary Pete no and then I know and then I clicked I was like I was thinking I was like in a time vortex for a second I was like what's going on so yeah <laughs> I'm sort of doing different things now yep. um filling in on news hub shows and a little bit of prime just so that I can um I really like doing the interviews on 8pm so it's yeah. kind of a new challenge for me so yeah. that's why I wanted to do that but it's different for different shows so like for 8pm I'll come in at 1 talk to the producer about what who we want to get for our interview mm-hmm. um, look around that morning at the news make sure I've got a, um, a broad base of knowledge mm-hmm. then we'll ring up a few people see who wants to come on um, then we'll write our intro for that do some questions do some background research do some notes then we do things like write, the, write and cut the openers so coming up on News Hub Live at 8 or coming up on Prime News this this and this we video edit those make sure that's all sorted and then I start going through pre-reading checking pronunciations things like that and mm. then go on and do the show yep. so yeah it's 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 pretty full on yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no yeah. you gotta you gotta be across it because yeah. also we're we're like almost a second producer now as presenters we need to pick up mistakes and subscripts and help out you know so mm. we we need to know things to be able to do that and not look to be off uh sort of state the obvious here it's a little bit like being a police officer as well um it's you that people are seeing so they'll go what was she doing how could you not get that right it's Mm. like well yeah because you haven't checked it or something else so yeah um we do rely on other people um particularly in the stories um the reporters um yeah we can't we can't check every fact that the reporter and producers come up with in the story but um, certainly in terms of, like, the intros, I'll check them. Um, yeah, an hour for hair and makeup, four, four till five for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for eight o'clock, yeah. and then one till two for prime. Yeah. Then I'm just, while they're doing my hair, I look at the look at the news and make sure I've got um, lots of background so that when I'm subbing that script, that intro later on, I'm able more easily able to spot mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you very often get recognised in public or not? Occasionally, yeah. And are people uh, not that often nice and gracious about it or not? Yeah, usually they just um, want to chat about what it's like um, working in the industry. What's Paul Henry like <laughs> from years ago? Um, do I buy my own clothes or do I get them provided to me? Um, 
I buy my own clothes for reporting. I do not for presenting. But you're <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, just on the record. Yep. Just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just sort of how does it work type questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it? How does the day unfold? How does it work? Have you had anybody have a sort of aha moment and click? Oh, you're the Sasha McNeil tells this great story yeah. of going to pick up her kids from school one day, and one of the mums that she thought she knew quite well saying, "Sasha, I've got to say to you, there's a lady on TV." She could be like your youngest sister, almost looks exactly the same as you. Uh, and so she's like, Yeah, that's me with makeup and my hair done. And yeah, she's yeah, like, you... oh, okay, yep. Yeah. I know, the makeup and the hair does change things a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, not to that dramatic extent, but certainly um, there'll be a look of recognition in their eyes, but they don't know how they know you, but they don't know how they yeah, know yeah. you occasionally. Yeah. Yep. And oh, um, are you, were you friends with my daughter? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the, you know, or, or are you are you connected to Jan at the at the local community? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I just don't know if they actually do know me from yep. the local community or the news. So it can be awkward sometimes. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when I say, you know, I do work for News Hub and, and Prime News, they say, um. Oh, yes, 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 that's right. Yes, Yannicka, you know. Nice. But, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty funny. As long as you get the, yes, it's Yannicka as opposed to, oh, you're Sam Hayes, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I've got uh, that one before. Oh, Even though go. Sam has got red hair and I've got dark blonde hair, yeah, yeah. I've certainly got that one before. Almost the same. You're almost like... <laughs> She's got that one before, too. Doppelgangers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of pressure... I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. She's a good dancer as well. Um, speaking of pressure, what's Yannicka's recipe for a good mental health? And how much has that changed since you've become a mum? Because mm. I'm guessing, like all of us, I, I say this as a parent, you know, you go from that, let's go out and have sort of breakfast at a cafe, and then we'll kick back, go for a walk along the beach and do a few other things, and then Bub arrives, and it's like, oh my God, i got a nappy full of crap everywhere. Mm. The house is a mess. Can you just get some takeaway coffees and we'll just call it a good day? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it started to get a little bit easier in the last few months because Eden has just turned three. Yep. And I've noticed quite a big change in terms of he will go and play by himself for 10 minutes now. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to get 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. but, but it is major from turning into like a baby young toddler to a three-year-old. Yeah. Like it, it is getting a bit easier. Um, it is quite hard. I really love getting out for walks, but it doesn't happen as often as I'd like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just have to be really selfish and say to Ross, I'm going. You know, I have to do it. I'm sorry, can you just take the yep. take the kid tonight? Because um, you can't go with him. Because so, um, Yeah, there's a lot of things, and then I sort of encourage him and say, you know, why don't you go and get a massage this month yep. or something and try to make it happen for each other yep. that way. Yeah, the thing that I find is really, really funny is people will say to you, oh, are you going to such and such concert? Or have you seen the latest movie? It's like, dude, I've got a toddler. Uh, mm. I haven't been anywhere in about like four months. I um, mean, like you do, you, you try and mix it up. But yeah, it's mm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. I work sort of between three and five days. It's been closer to five just through the labour shortages. Yeah. But often I do have a day in the week where I can... Um, do some housework and stuff and yep. try and get ahead of um, the weekend so that we can enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if somebody's listening and they go, that's my calling in life to become the next Yannicka to Ellen, uh, to become a journalist, what advice would you give them to help them out? I think know what you're going into. Talk to a lot of people in journalism. You've got to be really, really passionate about it. And know that you have to be multi-skilled these days. Mm-hmm. Video editing is a major part of what we do now. Mm-hmm. And 
not so much in newspapers of course so just talk to a lot of people and get a really realistic view of the way that the media landscape is now and also you know if you go into it and find it's not for you it's I think it's not the end of the world because there are major transferable skills with journalism yeah definitely um talking writing communicating researching are needed in so many jobs yep. there's the massive communications industry now and many many related industries and you see a lot of people and I deal with a lot of people in marketing and communications even in strategy and policy um, that, and politics that came from journalism yep. so yeah do it if you're really really passionate about it and know that there is also um, an alternative future yeah, if yep. you need to bail out Oh, not right <laughs> okay so let's really like stoke the fire here so to speak so tell us what the the coolest holy heck i'm getting paid to do this moment is that you've ever had in your entire career because oh, i mean if you look hard. at your These insta- career highlight questions yeah, yeah. are so hard i'm trying i'm trying to sort oh, of like, you know. i can't remember what i did last week yeah. let well, alone last year let's take your instagram photo then <laughs> like your instagram photo profile is you wearing a helmet a bright yellow helmet. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, what it was like doing? one of those fun stories, the light stories that you were talking about that we need to yeah. include more of. It was like the world's fastest speedboat or something. Story there you about. Go. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, there you go. That was pretty awesome. Um, thank you for yeah, reminding yeah, nice, me of that. I'd blimmin' forgotten about it. I just it. wanted to know the story behind it, actually, because <laughs> I keep looking at it and I'm like, either she's in a racing car or she's somewhere else. So that yeah. was cool. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was probably an amazing pinch me. That was an amazing pinch me moment. That's I can't believe I'd forgotten about that. Who, I know that you've met the king of ne- the Netherlands. That was cool. Yep, and yep. also been in a walker. Uh, in the Netherlands yes. I, yeah, see so that? the Netherlands have got the only working waka outside of New Zealand I think yeah. and we got to ride in it and it was amazing I took was, some photos because you know it's like wow yeah it was it, it was very cool that was a fun trip that was um, that was like a Janneke you've been working really hard we're going to give you this junket yeah. to muck around kind, yeah, of, yeah, a tri- yeah. and, <laughs> kind of a trip yeah. let's, be, <laughs> let's face it Janneke to Alan sounds much more Dutch than Wilhelmina Shrimpton does away you go yeah <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, okay. Um, I love Wales. Oh, she's great fun. Um, who's the most famous person that you've ever met, oh. inside or outside the job? And I know that fame is all relative because you know some people meet somebody and go, "Oh yeah, okay, cool." Oh, I didn't even realise they were famous. But who's been sort of the one that you've met and gone, "Oh, they were really not what I expected and the real deal, so to speak." Um, gosh. And John Campbell does not count. Yeah, it's all media people. Yeah, it's really all media people. Um, Does Hilary Barry count? I love Hilary Barry. You can have Hilary Barry, yep, that's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably her. She's amazing though. I'm never let down by media people because they're my people. Yeah. You know, and I I, I know what drives them and I know what they're like and... Yeah, it's never a letdown because we've got so much in common. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now, if today's Yannicka met the 16-year-old Yannicka, what would she say to her? And would that 16-year-old Yannicka listen? Oh, I wouldn't have listened to anything anyone ever told me at 16 years old. I was a little shit at 16 years old. <laughs> so what I would gave you my say parents to... so much grief. <laughs> what would you say to that 16-year-old apart from behave? Um, yeah, I guess once you get through the behave uh, yeah. scenario. Um, uh, just don't sweat the small stuff. Know that not everybody has to like you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you can accept that. And you don't need to worry so much about what people think of you. Yep. And yeah. And there's no, nothing wrong with yeah. that advice. Yeah. So last question now, and it's the question we always ask. Uh, if you've listened to some of the other podcasts, you know what's coming. So it's your day of reckoning. You're lying in the casket. 
<laughs> but strangely enough, you can hear what people are saying about Yannicka to Ellen. Now you know that there's going to be somewhere along the line somebody's going to organise sort of footage of you from the Paul Henry show and a bit of a prime news and everything else. But what would you like people to say about Yannicka to Ellen when she's gone? Um, I think commitment to family and that's what really is the most important to me mm-hmm. in life and I would hope that Eden would think that I nurtured him in the right way and I didn't mess him up <laughs> <laughs> and that I encouraged him to be smart and considerate and kind and all of those good things and a good global citizen and all of that yeah I would hope that it would be my role as a parent and I hope that that will be the success that I want it to be. And I hope that you've got the picture of you and him running down the driveway with your fairy wings on. Oh, yes. Somewhere there, because that's a great picture. Yes, yep, yes. So. And I hope that never gets knocked out of him. He's wearing this purple fairy suit, and that's his favourite thing to do. And yep. I just hope that the culture doesn't knock that out of him. Well, you like, know? Because it's so cute. Yeah, it's only like <laughs> Mel Chan Green's little boy wanting to be a black fan, which I think is magnificent. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you know Mel's history with the All Blacks, it's almost sort of a double-edged sword as well there. Yeah. So uh, that is the Cappuccino Podcast. Thank you very much to my guest, Yannicka, to Alan, because she's incredibly busy. And, yeah, so we will catch you next time on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That Easy. was fun. Done. Thanks for listening. But please do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Cappuccino Podcast. Real people, real stories.